Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Bill Nace is an acclaimed guitarist, composer, multi-instrumentalist, and collaborator based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. A prolific artist with a vast discography, both on his own and in collaboration with musicians like Steve Gunn, Joe McPhee, Chris Corsano, Susan Alcorn, and Paul Flaherty, and in the duo Bodyhead with iconic punk and noise pioneer Kim Gordon, Nace has recently released two solo explorations via Drag City Records. Following 2020's Both, on November 11th, 2022, the label brings us Nace's Through a Room, a stunning and stirring record that Nace worked on with producer Cooper Crane. Bill and I connected recently and had a fun and revealing talk about the time he spent in Jersey and Philadelphia and Western Massachusetts and how their various music scenes and communities influenced and inspired him to play how and when he and Cooper Crane collaborated on Through a Room during the COVID-19 pandemic, his recent experimentation with new or different instruments like the Donut Pipe, why he started and still tends to his own label, Open Mouth Records, how punk and jazz and other modes 
Lead to Freedom, Trippy Album Art by Daniel Higgs, Upcoming Tour Dates, a new Bodyhead release, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of revenue for all of the work that goes into this show and where you can get extra content, early, episodes early, all sorts of things. Patreon.com slash creative control if you'd like to support the show with a monthly donation. Thank you. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly staff who will happily help you get the things you need. Say you want uh, the new Bill Nace album, Through a Room, and you want to order it from uh, Drag City, or you want to go to your local mom-and-pop record store, well, that's what Blackbird is. It's the latter. It's a mom-and-pop record store with a couple locations. You can learn more about it and order records from them directly at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 731 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Bill Nace, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Good. How are you, man? I'm well. It's nice to speak with you. Where in the world are you today? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. How long have you been in Philadelphia? Uh, six years. I mean, I grew up around here. My family's all from Philadelphia. I grew up in Jersey. Then I left for years and came back like six years ago. Now, Jersey and Philadelphia, they're pretty close, aren't they? I often hear Yeah, people- I grew up like yeah. 20, 25 minutes from here. So this is where I used to come in to see gigs and go to record stores and stuff. I see. Okay. So was it the lure of the city of brotherly love? What brought you to, (laughs) what What brought brought me back? Um, (laughs) I was living in Western mass for 18 years, which is a great, great area. Definitely a small area, which kind of gets smaller the longer you stay. I wanted to stay on the East coast, but I didn't necessarily want to do New York. So I came back to Philly. Okay. Western, like Amherst area. Whereabouts in Western? Yeah. Next to, Northampton. I mean, I lived all around the area, like Northampton, Haydenville, East Hampton, Holyoke. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a nice area. I've been. I, I've only been to Amherst the one time, but I really quite enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, it seems like a lot of musicians live there. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, great, great music scene. Like, especially for the size, it's just yeah, a ton of stuff going on. It's great. I really miss that for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. and you had some friends there. I'm gathering like some uh, contemporaries. Yeah, I mean, I moved there in 99, and it seemed like a lot of people moved there around the same time, so this this scene kind of, like, popped up over the next few years that I think really wasn't there before. I mean, there was there had been a scene there, like, in the 80s and 90s with, like, you know, Dinosaur and Pixies and, yeah. uh, like, New Radiant Storm King, bands like that, but there was kind of, like, a whole new batch of people and kind of definitely more of like an experimental kind of scene popped up. Yeah. And I I gather you were drawn to that just based on your output. I don't even know if I was drawn to it as much as that's what like partly created what I do. Yeah. I mean that, that to, to me, like what, I mean, I was into stuff like that before, but that's not what drew me there. Cause that, as far as I knew that hadn't really existed or I didn't know about it, but 
that place is like inextricably a part of like who I am and what I make. Yeah. Like without a doubt. Yeah. You are, I think, well regarded as a, a collaborator, but you uh, also, I mean, these, these solo ventures are relatively recent. Is that fair? Not really. I mean, maybe for full length records or maybe like on, you know, with a little better distribution, but I mean, not really. I just think that's kind of a little bit of a narrative and I have more records for the collaborative stuff, but I, I was, I've been touring solo for years and years. Yeah. I just haven't done much with it in, in terms of recording or if I did, it was like kind of small edition cassettes and stuff. So I, I think more maybe it's the documentation and kind of focus on it that's a little more new, but um, mm. I've been doing solo stuff for a long time. That's interesting. So this is happening to you. This this, this notion <laughs> this notion that you're uh, primarily a collaborator has been foisted upon you and you're quietly like, what the hell are you guys talking about? I'm making a lot of stuff yeah. by myself. Is that right? Oh, it, it's so unjust. No, yeah, I do. I do. Um, but yeah, both are true. Both are true. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I, I want to commend you on this uh, beautiful and I think haunting new record through a room. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I was listening. Thank you. I'll tell you what I was. Uh, I've been listening to it a lot, and uh, I was listening to it. Uh, I had to go to the Costco, and I had it on in the minivan. This is I'm a dad. I'm just going to tell you all the dad stuff I did listening to your yeah, yeah, yeah. record last night because uh, I got stuck in the gas line. At the Costco, which I don't know if you've ever been to the Costco gas line, but you got you, you're sometimes there for like half an hour. So I just had I never have. <laughs> good for you. You're, <laughs> you're lucky. I'll have to try you're it. Absolutely, yeah. you're very fortunate. I went at an hour where I thought it wouldn't be that busy. I, I was wrong, but the silver lining was I just got to sit by myself in this like chamber, this man-made vehicle, and I, I just had your music blasting it. I wonder what other people were doing in their minivans and cars but i had your record washing over me as i waited to get gas and it was lovely i it was nighttime oh great i just it was a perfect i've been listening to a lot during the day sorry would you i don't know if you this resonates with you does this feel like a nighttime record to you because i discovered last night that for me that might be what it is i haven't thought about it in that way but i mean i think so many records are are great at night you know yeah to me it it feels a little I guess not linked to something temporally, yeah. you know, because it's so, so, you know, not to say it's a pandemic record. That's so kind of corny, but it's definitely, you know, was in a certain mind state when I made it and it was after, you know, we were all like locked down for whatever, a year and a half, two years. So yeah. if that's when it's best enjoyed, that. That's great to me, but I, I wasn't really thinking about that. No, why would you be? Why some idiot yeah. like me comes and tells you that it's a nighttime <laughs> record? You got to deal with that. I'm no. sorry, Bill. No, no I, no. I just, I, love it. I just have been, I've had it, I've had it on at different times of day, but I just want to tell you, it really struck me while I was, maybe the first time I was, I had it on when I was totally alone, uh, as yeah. well. And I just, there's something about the mood. I, I'm already of the mind that I will have a sense memory of this listening experience. You ever have that with records where you're like, it brings you back to yeah. like a time you heard it. Totally. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Yes. So what I'm saying is sure. it's been less than 24 hours, but I now associate your record with me just being in that van. It was, it's getting colder here in Edmonton and there's just something. Sorry. I'm just telling you too much about my own experience. No, it's great. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I would, we could just talk about your experience the whole time and I'd be happy with that. <laughs> so let me ask you this though. In your recollection, did you primarily make this record? 
at nighttime. I know I don't want to dwell on this too long because I'm probably barking up the wrong tree. But there's something about the mood of this record that speaks to that loneliness. You're talking about the pandemic. But I feel like as the day goes on and the sun goes down, it just feels a little cooler, a little more loneliness starts to... I mean, isolation starts to set in depending on what you're doing, I guess. But uh, I hear that a little bit. I hear a little bit of uh, someone making something uh, potentially on their own and and having it just just them and the sound you know what i'm getting at there yeah yeah it was it wasn't made mostly at night it was it was about i think it was about maybe 10 10 or 11 days and cooper who i recorded it with we recorded it at my practice space and then we mixed at my house okay and my my aunt lives down the street so i gave him my place and i'd stayed at my aunt's and I would come over at about 11.30, we'd have a coffee, and then about noon we'd hit it and go till about 11 or 12, and we uh-huh. did that for like 10, 11 days. So, wow. you know, I do think when you're recording and mixing, it, there is a kind of weird momentum where things start to get interesting at night, but we were making stuff kind of all day. Well, the the other thing about a long day like that, the session is, you know, I know from my own experience, as the day goes on, your body starts to change. You get a little tired or wired. It's a weird combo. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And then that gets, yeah, you start, yeah, that, that gets yeah, reflected yeah. in your playing. Definitely. You move through different. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so kind of cool about the studio. It can also be stressful. Like you're, you're, you're going through these different moods and changes throughout the day. Like you wouldn't any day, but it, it starts to affect what you're hearing and how you're hearing it. So it's kind of like figuring out, when to attach to that and when to let it go. Cause that can, you know, you can hear something in a new way and attach to it. And, and that's an interesting idea that you want to kind of explore yeah. or you can kind of lose the thread. So there's, there's, you know, you kind of have to figure out when to let go of that feeling and when that's just freaking out. And when it's like, Oh, you're kind of something got turned a little and I'm hearing this differently. And I kind of want to like dig into that. Yeah, absolutely. So you alluded to the fact that, this is a pandemic era record and that that's when it was made. I mean, at least in a temporal sense, that's when it was made. Do you, right. Do you hear objectively, do you hear the moods and thoughts you had, uh, at that time when you made this record? Like there's, there's this moment in time that we've all collectively endured and are continuing to endure. Do you hear that in this record for yourself? Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to, you know, I I could have made it outside of pandemic and maybe it wouldn't sound that different, you know, but I think it's more just, and, and, you know, that's why I wince a little saying it's a pandemic or I don't mean that in any conceptual way, but, you know, I can't divorce what the experience of that whole year or two was with really anything I did over that time. To me, it it still doesn't feel like something I'm looking back on because although it does feel like we're out of it a little, I still feel like, you know, so changed from it and the effect of it still isn't clear to me in any way. Yeah. But yeah, I think when I first made it, I I was kind of like, I was really happy with it, but also had a bit of a hard time judging it at first because it felt like it came from such a, I mean, you know, music always comes from an eternal place, but it's you're also having so much information come in daily that you're like kind of dealing with. Whereas this was like the absence of that. Mm. 
so it was definitely like a weird thing to sit back and judge where I was like, where, where did this come from? Kind of, but the, the absence, um, the absence of information. What did, what was the absence that you were just referring to? You know, just living. Oh, I mean, oh, I see. Daily, yeah. Daily life, like whatever, going for a walk or, you know, getting in an argument with someone, going on a date with someone, going, going to see a movie, whatever, like yeah. stressful stress, you know, at work or, you know, all that shit, like yeah. that all kind of turns into stuff that we're kind of like filtering, but there wasn't really much information coming in during that period of time. I appreciate that you say it's impossible to divorce what um, you were going through personally and in terms of what you were trying to express with what was going on at the time, because that's when you made it, right? Like it must, it, the times, the zeitgeist, if you will, can't help but be a part of this record maybe right. maybe a more tangible distinction to make would be between this record and your previous one both um can you talk about that what was the, the, were there things about the last record that you wanted to either build upon or I, yes. a lot of musicians will be like well i know what we did right the last time i also know what i don't ever want to do again and i like each record is a bit of a whether we realize it as listeners or not i think each record is kind of public learning <laughs> for the artist. Right, right, sure. Yeah, so sure. are there things about... Yeah, the record, yeah. you really never get at the thing with the record, to me. Yeah. You, you really never... To me, you're always trying to get at this thing, and the record is an approximation of that. And by the time the record's out, it's been a year or so since you did it, you're already on to the next... Mentally on to, like, what's the next thing going to be? So you're, it's always this kind of, like, process. Um, yeah. There wasn't anything necessarily on both that I didn't want to do, maybe just the process of it, but I definitely without a doubt wanted this to be like a continuation of that. Cause I thought there was kind of more to dig into mm -hmm. both was more like, I, I think I wasn't totally sure yet what I wanted that to be. So that was recorded. All the base of that was just recorded live. And it was like a normal, you know, how you would approach a normal live recording, like trying to get good takes was this a good take yeah. and just getting good live takes of like what I would do at a live gig with a guitar yeah. and then kind of like got in there and I, I just kind of wanted to like turn stuff around a little, maybe stretch parts out, mutated a bit. And me and Cooper both worked on that. And then this one, I just felt like there was kind of more to dig into, but use that as a jumping off point. So it wasn't really necessarily like getting good live takes that then we wanted to manipulate. It was kind of starting with the manipulations. So kind of, you know, like one track on that record is just one loop, but you would, you can't even tell it's, it's processed so many different ways yeah. that it stretches out into this whole piece. So it was more starting where like the last one left off Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Did you incorporate different instrumentation on this one uh, than you did with? Yeah. Both? Yeah, I mean, it's still, to me, I always want the guitar to be the bass line, always. Whether I'll stick to that or not, I don't know. But for these two, I definitely want them to be, like, guitar records. But, yeah, I have, like, a... I mean, to say it's a hurdy-gurdy is, is generous. It is a hurdy-gurdy, but it's such a terrible, broken-down hurdy-gurdy that it's really um <laughs> becomes something else. But oh. I use that on there... I used a lot of tape, uh, which I also used on the last one. I'm trying to figure out what else I used. Um, I, I read something that I, I, I must confess, given uh, all my uh, 
immersion in sort of improvised music and whatever experimental music means, I saw something that I don't understand. What is a donut pipe? Oh, that, <laughs> my friend just wrote me that too. He's like, I'm Googling what a donut pipe is. I wish I had the guy's name so I could tell you, but uh, it's a guy in the UK who makes these horns. I think he has three different models. One's a double reed. The other two aren't. And they're, they're all 3D printed. Oh. Um, so the donut pipe, I, I think it was because the bell is kind of this, you know, these kind of stacked circle shape. I think that's why he called it a donut, but donut. Well, like a, like a, not like a cruller. What, what, well, what kind of donut does that? I don't even know what that means. No, no. Almost like it oh. would, uh, stacked. Oh, you know? oh, 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 I see. Okay. I get yeah, it now. That's right. like the shape of the, of the horn of the bell. Um, so wait, this person in the UK just invented this instrument, if you will, or this thing? Well, they're based on like, they're based on pre-existing horns. I think maybe the shapes are a little different, but yeah, he 3d prints them. They're his own, huh. his own design. <laughs> so how, um, how did I, you, how did I you just, come to hear tell of a, how did you come to hear tell of a donut pipe? I can't even remember it. Remember that? I mean, beginning of pandemic, it's just like, Oh, it's just you and your, you and your computer. <laughs> <laughs> You're just, I can't even, <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember how I got there, but um, I was like, "Oh, these look amazing!" So I bought one. You weren't go- um, you weren't googling like how to get high with a donut. <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer that, man. <laughs> I'll check your search history later with some yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. FOI. Uh, no, I'm just that's uh, I saw that and I it made me hungry and intrigued at the same time. I like donuts. There's something. Yeah. Uh, there's something else here, uh, and I don't want to mispronounce it. Oh yeah, Tashigato. Yeah, that's um, this Japanese keyed instrument that um, I've been playing a lot. I got over um, pandemic. You know, I was having this thing of like, because I didn't play music for the first like six months of pandemic. I was drawing a lot. Hmm. I didn't really do much music, and then I started up again, but. I just felt like I was in such this like unco- like a new kind of uncomfortable place, and every time I would try to do what I used to do, I felt like I was being like a cover band of myself. Hmm. And I was like, I need something just that's out of my comfort zone. And my friend that lives here, J.C. Webster, he has like every instrument in the world, and he had like a really kind of like an older model of like a Tashigato. And I was like, oh, this is kind of perfect for it's kind of such a sidestep from what i do with like prepared guitar stuff yeah so i just got one and then like immediately loved it so that's kind of what i've been playing all summer and then i have these record release gigs coming up in november Uh, so my plan was like i'm gonna i kind of wanted to just commit to it all summer and fall and then over the winter i'm gonna workshop to see if i want to play the record kind of more as it is live and do those the, do those in the spring. But that would take some, you know, I'm not to figure out how I would, how I would reproduce it live. But, some um, sort of synthesized looping or, or something, right? Yeah, some, yeah, tapes yeah. or samplers. I'm not sure yet. Or, or even if it'll come out how I want it to. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I think this was the first recording with that. I had just kind of gotten it and it was in there and I just brought it in and, um, yeah, it just kind of worked on that. That track needed just like kind of something else, and it just fit in there. Yeah, one of the bright spots I keep hearing about in terms of the uh, lockdown and the pandemic for those who have been able to uh, get past the mental 
and emotional anguish of it is people trying to experiment with things, uh, improve yeah. upon things, you know. Personally, uh, I'm primarily a drummer, but I've been trying to play guitar every day just to try to figure out if I'll ever get decent at it. And it's just been a fun part of this is to like, I can feel myself improving. Uh, and I feel it sounds like to me, just in terms of a couple of the instruments we've mentioned that you were like, what the hell? I'm going to take a shot and try these things. You've, yeah, totally. You've tried to use this time away from the road to try things, experiment with things. Anything, yeah. anything beyond music? Like uh, some people are, I, I for one, cooking more than I ever have in a way, like less reliant on, I don't go to- Yeah, re- I was cooking more. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't go for to- For re- sure. Don't go to restaurants, but we've been ordering takeout and stuff. But yeah, just like little skills. Have you, yeah, found, yeah, have yeah. you found that for yourself? Yeah, I started painting more. I, I always, I, I draw a lot and I do all the, I do most of the covers for like my record label that I run, but I, I, I hadn't really painted that much. So I started to do more of that at the beginning. Yeah. But, you know, a lot, it was a lot of, the first year was a lot of more like art camp, you know, it was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I watched a movie, it was like kind of, I was watching some Criterion, I was painting, it was, it was kind of cool. The second year was like, you know. Stir crazy. Just, yeah, Grubhub and uh, whatever new Mark Wahlberg movie is on Netflix, just total, <laughs> t- total depre- depression habits. Went the other way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just went the other way. I was like, all right, summer camp's over. Yeah, kind of a normal, again, I think that's a pretty common trajectory. I'm sorry you were forcing yourself to uh, choke down Mark Wahlberg movies. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> that was just the first name that came yeah. up. Yeah, no offense, to, no offense to Mark. I still have a memory of, uh, I went to go see Chris Rock at the at Massey Hall in Toronto. I, I'm from Ontario originally. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I would go see stuff all the time. And uh Chris Rock, we had my, I think my wife was with me. We had like, I don't know how I got him. I got like front row seats. Like we were so close. And then the lights went down and everyone sort of stood up to give Chris Rock a standing ovation. And then these giant dudes came from like, from near the stage, they came and they were leading Mark Wahlberg to his seat behind me, like fourth, fifth row. And I guess he must have been in town shooting a movie or something. Anyway, uh, that's my Marky Mark story. I just wanted to share yeah, that. Marky Mark. <laughs> yes. Because I'm like, oh my God, that's, I didn't care really. I'm not, I don't care. I was just like, oh, that's weird. Like, I've never seen that before where they. Did they have seating for the whole Funky Bunch or? No, the Funky Bunch no. were not there. No, you're right. You're, All right, it's a, just him. It's a valid question. I, it was just uh, him. Yeah, I think I it was so. him by himself. I don't think he even had a, a, okay. a partner or a friend or anyone like that. So. Gotcha. Anyway, that's just how he rolls. I just want to bring that, uh, any, I, I guess he's a big Chris Rock fan. Anyway. All this, that was a, a bizarre tangent on my part. I apologize, but we relate. No, it's okay. We relate. Now, um, we've talked, I've, I've alluded to your early days, Jersey, Philly, these sorts of things. Can we actually get into how you've gotten to where you are? How did you get into music as a fan? And then mm-hmm. beyond that, how did you get into music as a player? Can we trace that? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of what, I mean, music, you know, I, like I, I did come in the Philly for shows and the you know record stores, but I, I did live in Jersey, and it was like a, it did feel like a really culturally remote place. You know, it was hard to, mm. you know, it was pre-internet. It's hard. It was hard to like, you know, I didn't have a car till I was seventeen, eighteen. So it's like, yeah. it's hard to get around. There, there weren't a lot of shows or anything. It was kind of pretty suburban or kind of rural. How far were you from like Maxwell's? Is in jersey right in hoboken or that's hoboken yeah. yeah that's i mean that's like that's right outside of new york so that's more like 
going to New York. That's like two hours. Two hours, right. Okay, just just wanted to clarify. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and City Gardens was like a classic spot in, in Jersey. But, I mean, I've said it's the same answer every time someone asks me this, but it's true. But the first time I ever heard music that was like, I was like, whoa, kind of, what is this? I was in my aunt and uncle's van in, in North Philly. We were getting ready to go somewhere, and the ad-libs, Boy from New York City, came on. And I remember just, like, I can still, it was kind of like what you were saying earlier. I yeah. can still remember that moment. I mean, I was a child, but it was like a real, like, something kind of, you know, the doors blew open. But yeah. it took a while from, like, that and being interested in music to even thinking that I could play music or, I mean, I, I think all my goals along the way with this have been small. You know, it was like, first it was like, get a guitar or get a bass. You know, I started on bass mm-hmm. and then it was like, get in a band and then get a show. You know, I think we played like a pizza parlor in Jersey. You know, it's all kind of, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it really was until I got to Western Mass that the idea of really doing it in a real committed, serious way kind of occurred to me. It was always something I wanted to do. And I was in bands, you know, all through high school in my early 20s. But I never really saw how it would exist outside of that, maybe. Sure. Outside of the the occasional show, yeah. the practice space. And that, that was fine. I mean, I, I was playing with friends. I, I liked doing it. But, I, yeah, it wasn't really till Western Mass that I think I kind of felt like... Because I, I think another piece of that was I, I did always want to, like, kind of be a part of something in that sense. I, you know, I, I think would always... You know, when I got into punk and hardcore and stuff when I was younger, I think the regional aspect of all that was really exciting as well. Yeah. So I think just kind of like, yeah, just being a part of something and having a context, which, you know, you don't really have that either if you live in like a kind of suburban neighborhood. So that was kind of a huge thing for me. And then I think from there, you know, I started doing the label because there were all these great bands in Western Mass that weren't really being documented. So I started doing the label started doing show, you know, and then it kind of just starts to snowball a little. What was the, for those listening, what was the label? Uh, I still have it. It's called open mouth records. Right. So you started, you, you started to get immersed in sort of music, a uh, whole hog. Um, <laughs> like, you know, getting into the business side of things too, is all I'm getting at there because you realized it sounds to me like you are community minded and, uh, and, and, you know, despite the, uh, the rumors that may or may not be true. You like to collaborate with others. I think. I, I think. Do. I think it's fair. Can we just go back a, a moment and distinguish between uh, you being in Massachusetts, which I'm gonna. What I'm picking up on is maybe when you got to Massachusetts, you came into your own in this in the sense that that was closer to who you are now and the kind yeah. of music you make now. Can you distinguish between? The music you were making with your friends after you first heard that song in that car, like the aesthetic approaches is where I'm coming from. How would you characterize the bands you were in as a, as a child, as a, as a, as a kid, I guess. And, right. And, yeah. More, yeah. I mean, not, not so different, you know, it's not like I was playing like in, in like a jam funk band and then got in the, you know, it was all, it was yeah, all sure. kind of the same same interests and you know it was more rock you know it was kind of like noisy rock i guess to you know put a broad term on it you're, you're suggesting yeah. your guitar stylings may have 
Like they're using. Well, I was playing bass all that. Oh, time. that's right. You were a bass player, right? So yeah. So I was playing bass, and then when I first moved to Western Mass, I got in a band and started playing guitar more in that. And so yeah, I think it's also like the the kind of context or grouping you're in can dictate so much of how you're playing. So I think once I started playing solo, you know, everyone I played with also in that band, they were all drummers. Everyone plays. So drums. I had this. Yeah. I had this, well, they didn't play drums in the band, but they were all drummers. Yeah, they could. And they could play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think between that and then when I started playing with uh, Chris Corsano, when I kind of early got out there, I, I do think it really affected my playing. I don't think it's as rhythmic now as it used to be, but I think when I first started playing prepare guitar, it was definitely influenced by like learning how to play with drummers. And all those guys were like, that. that's where they were coming from. So... It's definitely in there. That checks out. Your guitar playing is percussive, is what you're Yeah, doing. percussive. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not rhythm yeah. guitar, but it's percussive. No. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be both. It used to be rhythmic and percussive. I think now it's a little more percussive. Yeah, that's what I pick up on. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think I think more that the combos that I would play with was, were, would kind of affect how I played. And definitely trying to, like, learn how to play with, like, horn players like Paul Flaherty or Steve Betchkowski. That was also, like, a big part of it. Yeah. So again, you know. finding the place for your instrument with others, like how it complements what other people are doing. Totally. Um, one could say that you like to collaborate with people. I, I love to. Cl- <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 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 I, I love to collaborate. No, I please. I can't let go of this callback. I'm sorry. Um, now, I want to this bass that you used to play. Again, I'm mm-hmm. I've, I'm turning into a bit of a private investigator. The bass you used to play in these bands, would you characterize it as a relatively clean sound? You said it was a noise rock stuff. Did you manipulate the sound of the bass? Did you distort it? Once in a while it'd be distorted, but no, it was pretty it was pretty clean. Yeah. You know, I I always wanted to play guitar, so I don't I don't think I was much of a bassist. I mean I liked it's powerful feeling to play bass. Yeah. But I don't think I was ever like a real bassist. Uh, you know. <laughs> I think I was like I was like trying to play guitar on, on bass, you know, and yeah. That worked. That worked for a little bit, and then when I saw an opening to like drop that, I, I did. The reason I ask this somewhat odd question is because you are renowned as a prepared guitar player and as someone who manipulates the sound of a guitar. Like for people checking out your new record, I'm sure some of them are like, "I don't even know what is making this sound." And there are times, mm. like I tried to kind of enumerate some of the instrumentation uh, that you are incorporating here because. My ear is trying to pick the things out. And there's things here, like I said, I don't even know what a couple of them would ever sound like. I, d- I just know them because they're written down here in the right. uh, information that I was provided. But I actually couldn't tell you what some of the donut pipe or what they actually sound like. Anyway, my point is, I remember being a kid, the first guitar that ever entered my home, somehow my friend in like great junior high, Nigel, begrudgingly had to take music lessons and he had a guitar so he loaned me and i i don't know how it happened i was like oh, i'd like to try that he's like you can just borrow it i think he just wanted it out of the house because he didn't want right. to do his lessons so he loaned me an amp and an electric guitar like a strat copy and i remember not knowing what to do so i whacked at it i just bang I, I, before i knew with sonic youth or whatever i didn't know what was going on i just sort of was oh and i turned the gain on that was the thing. Yeah, like, yeah. To turn the gain on on an amplifier for the first time as a kid, I still remember this. Uh, like, holy shit. Like, what is this thing? So all I'm getting at is you must have had a moment where you realized 
It's not just plugging it in and playing it clean. I can actually do stuff to this thing. And this, I imagine, opens up a whole world for you. Do you have a sense memory of that? Because I feel like it's a really key part of what you do now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I think that's a that's such a great... I'm sure everyone who's got a guitar, that's like an early experience is just plugging it in, cranking it, and just kind of banging on it. And that's what's so cool about guitar is it's like, you know, it is really... It's limited in one way and in another way, it's just so expansive and, you know, and you can get it fairly, you know, you can get a pretty cheap Strat copy and a little shitty practice amp for, for fairly cheap, you know? Yeah. So I think just that kind of joy of just being, you know, it's not like a sax or something where you're like, I can't get anything out of this. It's, it's pretty immediate. You can turn that thing on and be like, whoa, this sounds, uh, I'm getting sound out of this. Okay. This is. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that is just kind of a built-in experience with the instrument for me. But I guess, I you know, I did kind of, when I started learning guitar, I kind of was doing both simultaneously, like learning chords and like modes and all this stuff on one hand. But I really was learning the kind of unplaying it at the same time. I didn't really learn, like I didn't really learn all the basics and then kind of peel that back and, and unlearn it. I really did kind of do both at the same time. Hmm. So I do like, I don't think I have like that kind of like, to me, it's just, that's all part of whatever you need to get out of it. Like if you need to play the G chord and that's what you get out of what you need in the moment. Cool. Or if you need to like, you know, throw it against the wall, then that's cool too. Like (laughs) I didn't really, I didn't really have a, like, I didn't learn like, classical finger picking and then get into like noisy stuff and be like oh i'm gonna stick some metal on this and i i I wasn't like attached to either one more than the other you know i I was i was learning them simultaneously but when i first started getting into that really as like trying to maybe learn some tech techniques with it or like fine-tune it more than just kind of hammering on it was this guy john trzinski that i i still play with he he plays drums he was in that quartet I told you about. He's an yeah. he's an excellent guitarist, also an excellent drummer. He has a great duo with uh, Steve Gunn called Gunn Trzinski duo. Mm-hmm. We actually just finished a trio record, but he's I, I've known. Oh, nice. We've been. I love Steve. Yeah. Steve Steve uh, was on the show. Uh, what I think it was this year, maybe it was last year. I can't keep track. The years are. Oh just yeah, Steve's plenty. great. Steve's the best. He's so nice and friendly, and yeah, the uh, best. I love his music. Yeah, sorry, I just wanted yeah. to interject. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So John and I have been making music together since we were like 18 and we moved to Western Mass together and there used to be this dollar store in this kind of like mall downtown that would just have random stuff. And they had these like bins of all these kind of pieces of metal for like a dollar each. And we just bought a bunch of each of them and started playing with them on the guitar, but really trying to like, not just kind of, you know, rubbing it up and down really trying to like figure out ways to like like oh if we put these two here and do this it makes this sound and if we do this and so we had a trio with this other percussionist jake mcginsky he just made that like amazing documentary on milford graves last year oh cool called full mantis and so we had a trio that was kind of he jake played percussion but john and i were both playing guitar and really kind of trying to put a lot of that to use like how do we do this in a slightly improvised slightly composed context Hmm. 
and that was all just straight into the amp, no pedals or anything. And then I, I slowly started kind of like playing with some other people. I started playing with Paul Flaherty, with Chris, and kind of messing around with more pedals just to get more gain and stuff like that. And so that that was kind of like the the beginning of that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm just always uh, curious how other people are drawn to such approaches and sounds because you know i know it's a difficult question if someone were to ask me why i listen to things or play things in a certain way i would be hard pressed to pin it down but yeah it's hard to know why you your ear picks up on something i mean i i've always liked that i mean as long as i can remember i've always liked the you know even if it's just a pop tune that little bit of kind of that little bit of feedback at the end mm-hmm. of the song or the little textures in there. I've, I've always just loved that. So to me, you can just zoom in and out of that stuff. Like how much do you want to, you can kind of have a little bit of that going on or you can just do that or, you know. If you, if you um, think on it, cause I, every once in a while, as I pose these questions, these kinds of questions to people, as I'm editing the conversation later, I, my mind wanders as to like, why am I like this? Why do I like right. these things? And right. I can't help but sort of psychoanalyze myself and be like, well, you have a little bit of a rebellious streak. You have a little bit of a contrarian streak. You don't really love convention all the time as much as I love, you know, some very popular things. I know there's this streak in me to to for discovery. I just love the notion that music is so open-ended. And when I've had my and I've been at the, again, I used to live in Ontario, and I don't know, have you ever heard of the Guelph Jazz Festival, Bill? No, where is it? it it's in Guelph, Ontario. It's a university town that I lived in for 20, okay. 26 years or something like that. Or no, 23 years, sorry. And um, it's this pretty small town about an hour uh, west of Toronto. And like, I saw everyone. I have used to, it's just a world-renowned festival and... Nice. You would see. I saw Milford Graves. Like I would, you'd see uh, John Zorn would come. Uh, you know, like Tortoise would play. Like it was just like uh, yeah, Hamid Drake and yeah, William Parker. And you're just like, holy shit! Like it's just unbelievable stuff that I got to see and experience. And um, that stuff means the world to me. And yet at the same time, I like a good Beatles song or I like a, a good pop song. So totally. Yeah. I know that, uh, I contain multitudes and a lot of us do, you know what I mean? But, uh, on a, as a, as a vocational pursuit, it's just fascinating to me that you, that's your road. You've chosen this road. It's, it's not the road most traveled and it's probably not an easy road as a working musician, particularly these days. Does that kind of stuff inform? I've said a lot of things there, but do you feel that about yourself? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. to go back to, cause Western mass was similar. Yeah. We had, we didn't have a festival, but, um, this guy, Michael Ehlers, who doesn't live there anymore, but he runs this label Aramite. Yeah. And he used to do this series called fire in the Valley. So he would get, you know, just amazing musicians that, you know, like Hamid Drake, William Parker, Brotsman. And then also UMass had this series called magic triangle series. And that, I saw Milford Graves through that, Sonny Murray. So all this was happening as I was getting into this stuff as well. So it was just such an amazing time. Yeah. And then like everyone around me was either starting a duo or starting a band or, you know, yeah. had three projects going and started a tape label or so it wasn't really, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of info, but definitely 
I think a lot of shows that were probably just maybe on the East Coast hitting New York and Western Mass, you know, that were really informative. I mean, to me, the stuff with Kim is, you know, I, I hear that as like a rock band. I, I Oh, I, Bodyhead, I, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, Kim, I understand that. Gordon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I understand it's not like, we don't sound like the Sonics or something, but, um, <laughs> or like Dead Moon, but to me, it is like, it does sound like a rock band. There is more like form to that maybe than some other stuff that I do. That's what I'm getting at though. I think we, I feel aligned with you and what you're doing is what I'm getting at as a listener and as a fan of music. And, uh, and all I'm saying is I, I just appreciate that there's so many of us uh, out here who have these, um, I think it's the open ears and the open. Sorry, this is why I got into punk. It just seemed like it could be anything. And yes, and exactly. Would, That's why I got into punk. Yeah, yes. and when I would go to jazz or improvised music festivals, that I I was like, this is a punk fest. This is my idea of a punk festival. That's- totally, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's what you know. When I was younger, I I got really into hardcore and punk, but you know, I really didn't like whatever the current iteration of that, like Jersey hardcore. Yeah. And I, I really just didn't relate to whatever that current version of it was. Like I was buying old stuff that had already happened. I loved it. So I kept trying to like find, like where could I find that energy in other places? You know, oh, man. but that was yeah. kind of the initial impulse was like, yeah, to me, anything that I kind of do still comes from me getting in the punk and trying to figure out what that was for me and trying to kind of like find that energy or that, that feeling, you know, of when I first heard that more than like a, say any kind of strict like aesthetic or genre or whatever, but it it is like, that was kind of the, that's still like the impulse. I I mean, I, when I was playing in post hardcore bands in the mid to late nineties, certainly looking back and listening back to them, I hear the influence of my favorite bands like Shellac and Fugazi, but I also have sense memories of driving to those shows and listening to, I would go to the library and borrow the, uh, there was a live uh, Thelonious Monk and Miles Davis, I think double record or something like they, I don't, Mm -hmm. I think it was just, they were both playing Newport or something and I dubbed it. I taped, don't tell the library, but I taped it. And then, so I would drive and just be listening to that and then hearing the low end theory by a tribe called Quest or introducing by DJ Shadow changed the way I drummed. Like right. just, and, and I would bring that to the practices more. And all I'm getting at is that rebellion and that open eared jazz was just very important to punk. And I, I, all I'm getting at, I'm sorry, this is not mind blowing no, stuff, no. but for me, it was, no. they were all part of the same. Who gives a fuck? Like we can do what we want and it's totally. free. It's just total freedom. Without being like rap rock about it <laughs> and and being, you know, glomming onto something, it just felt like I, what I appreciated about all of the music that I've uh, talked about is the freedom that I heard. And, and, sure. and that's, I think, where you're, that's what I hear in your music. Yeah. A freedom, oh, cool. a freedom just like a liberation to do whatever you want. And yeah. That's what I was trying to, sorry, I didn't have a real question earlier, but that's what I was trying no, to that's get. Okay. That's what I was trying to get at. I feel like you were drawn to, people who exhibited and influenced you to be like, be free, just be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, genres are split like that. There's people that will make something that's kind of like, do what you want, go beyond this, you know, be free. Yeah. And some people take that and they make more rules with it. And other people 
kind of take the ball and run with it, you know? So yeah, I think both have made good things. I think I just kind of prefer the more like the thing that kind of like pushes that pushes a little at what it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. And I haven't even referenced people like Bonnie Prince, Billy or Sonic youth, like these kinds of people as well taught me those things. Right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I went on a bit of a ramble there and I didn't mean to. I just want No, to- man, I I uh <laughs> I wish more interviews were just someone talking about their own experiences. <laughs> well, I do think uh I I And then it's le- and then I don't have to talk. <laughs> well, I I mean, yeah, I I appreciate that. I just want to tell you how I relate to your music based on my own sort of DNA, if you will. Um, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. yeah. So this record's uh, great, and it will be out via Dra- Thank you. Drag City. Yeah, no, congratulations. Like I say, I encourage... Thanks so much. I do. It seems to me a deep listening thing. So uh, it was nice for me to have it on in my car, but I look forward to actually putting on my turntable and hopefully uh, just spending an evening. I don't know why. Now I'm just married to the idea that I want to listen to it at night because uh, I feel like it would... Uh, it feels like it would be a dream-influencing record. Uh, where I like, I'm like, you know, that's great. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That, that's totally what I want. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying it, it's, it, it has gotten in under my uh, skin and into my mind in a good way. And, uh, but uh, when you got the file, did they send you the cover art too? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Who did the cover? Oh, art? Yeah. That's uh Daniel Higgs, right? Daniel Higgs. Yeah. 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 And he did the first, he did the last one, but I think having that on LP and like looking at the cover while you're lit, that cover is, um, kind of, I, I just, it's definitely like, I just, Rest, every time I look at it, it's something I'm, I really feel like I'm like engaging with. Yeah, for those who can't see what we're talking about at the moment, it's I guess it's in the vein of surrealism. I guess I don't know enough about art to say exactly what it is, but it, my friend said it looked like uh, tripping on toad venom. I, I wouldn't know anything about that, but um, yeah, I, I don't know enough about. I believe tripping on stuff. I believe him. Yeah, sorry, but I it, yeah. it definitely. If you focus in on it, there seems to be a staircase to nothing. A couple of them, actually. And yeah, it's. Uh, I'm just sorry. I'm just looking at the digital version of it. And uh, yeah, 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 it is whole thing. I just think it's great. So, Bill, thanks so much, it, man. No, it's my pleasure. So, in terms of what's next for you, you mentioned there would, might be some shows. That's great. Uh, yeah. You alluded to Body Head, which is another project of yours. Any yeah. anything coming up on the? And you mentioned this uh, project. Uh, the trio record you you were talking about earlier as well. So yeah, you got a lot on the go. It sounds like any sense of when things are coming out or anything else you're working on. I definitely want to start working on another solo soon. I have some ideas, and uh, me and Bodyhead has a double seven inch that we just finished. Hmm. And then yeah, the trio with uh, Steve and John. I have you know I have <laughs> I have a duo with this guy Chick White who who's lives in Canada. He lives up in like Nova Scotia. I did a a male collab with him um, at the beginning of pandemic. He plays jaw harp. Oh yeah. But that's still, you know, vinyl right now is so yeah. untenable. It's like kind of impossible to say when anything will be out. That's, that's been at the plant for 10 months. Oh God. I still don't have a test pressing for it. So, okay. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, those, those few things, but then it's like you finish it and then it's probably another two years now before right. they see the late of day. So, Okay, <laughs> and I'm trying to do a. I've been. I'm trying to finish up a solo Tasha Gatto record. that's just live. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Oh, so it's recorded already. It is. Yeah, I just need to kind of tweak it a little, EQ it a bit. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. So, like, I I expected there to be a lot of stuff from you. I don't know why. 
Uh, you seem like that kind of fella. So that's uh, <laughs> that's cool. If people want to keep tabs on you uh, via the internet uh, or social media or what have you, uh, where would you like to direct them? I don't have any social media. Okay, that's um, that's fair. You said that you said that almost like you were mad at me for inventing social no. media. I have I have none of your social media viche. Nice try. I will not fall for your trap. I didn't make it. Not, not at all. No no anger at all. Um. <laughs> no, you don't have it. That's that's probably How good. How dare you, you? You got a website or something beyond dragcity.com? I have I'm still I'm still kind of rocking it like it's 2001. I have a blog spot for the label. Okay, cool. Oh, right. So it's it's Open Mouth Records. And then Open Mouth Records is also on Bandcamp. Okay. But, you know, my email's on the blog spot. People usually just find me there and write me if they want. Okay. No, that's good. That sounds great. I, yeah. appreci- I appreciate and envy your old schoolness, to be frank. Uh, <laughs> it's all consuming, all this stuff, but it feels like part of the job. It's too much. It's too much, man. I know. It feels part like part of the job for me, and it's usually all I use it for now, which makes me feel like yeah, a, yeah. a bit of a corporate huckster or something, even though... No, I, yeah, I, and I, I'm not, I'm not like totally... You know, sometimes I do wonder if I'm, you know, missing out on something or shooting myself in the foot in some way, or but I just... I, it's just... I don't really like the way it feels. I don't no, like having it. No, I appreciate I, I think there are musicians of, let's say, your ilk who are looking at it as a creative challenge and not doing the conventional stuff. And they come up with kind of, because they're just interesting, inventive people, they're doing stuff with the various forms in a kind of subversive but interesting and effective way. Like they promote their weird records, but they... they they, I, I always think they're, and I'm generalizing, but I always think they're vaguely making fun of the platform, but also utilizing it in a creative way. No, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I tour enough too that that's like, yeah. you know, it, its own little kind of form of distribution. And like I said, I'm, it's all in Bandcamp, if, you know. Yeah, for sure. Okay. No, um, no, no. Nothing to apologize yeah. for, and sorry for oh, yelling, no, 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 at, no. yelling at you earlier. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I lost my cool. <laughs> no, no, it was me. It was all me. Sorry. Uh, no, now, I really. If, <laughs> if we can go out on a record, or rather, if we can go out on a song from this record through a room, I wonder if oh, you yeah. can pick one for us, Bill, and tell us why you chose it. I mean, I think outro would be perfect for a very obvious reason. <laughs> because it's the end of the thing. Okay. Any is that exactly. the only reason? Is there anything you want to any insight you want to give us about it? Um, I do think that you know, I don't want to, you know, sometimes putting a fine point on these things like ruin it. I do think there's something to me that sounds like a little oddly hopeful in that track, which wasn't even intended, but I kind of. It's just like get that same feeling when I each time I hear it. Oh, okay. You know, so I do think it, in that way it does work as a good ending to the record. Yeah. And all, and also I think, yeah, after my outburst about social media, I think it'd be a nice. <laughs> well, I, I I appreciate it too because when I've had the record playing in the house, at least my son has kind of given me a look that suggests that he feels like. For all the things we listen to, this record seems a little ominous. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't take it. That, How old is he? he? They're eleven. My daughter's seven. Ele- yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they hear, and I've talked about this before, but 
because of this work and other work I do, they hear new records right. constantly on a cycle. Like I get through one, have a chat, and then I'm on to the next one. And if I'm lucky, I can go back. And we, the ones they really like, we, the whole family likes, they come back. They don't ever leave, but they just, I, I, they understand Papa's working. He's got to listen to a record a lot and then be prepared to talk to someone. Anyway, I've gotten that. He, Levon hasn't said anything, but I get the impression he's like, huh? What's happening right now? It's a little like, yeah, yeah, a little more. What are some of the ones, what are some of the ones they really like that keep coming back? They like uh, the new uh, album by The Beths, this band from New Zealand. Uh huh. I got the impression they like the new Archers of Loaf, but my son has recently been like, I don't know if I like that, Papa. Uh, <laughs> they like, uh, what else? Uh, Juliana Rialino. Uh, there's just been a few. Sorry, I, I'm just citing some No, no, it's ones. cool. Yeah. A lot of exposure. Hammered Halls. Hammered Halls, which is a new uh, record out on oh, yeah. uh, Discord. Alec Mackay. I, I saw them here. Oh, you saw yeah. them? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a spot across the street from my house that they played, and it was... Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they like, I was surprised by that one because it's a little antagonistic, but they really, I keep forgetting that that's what they like. They like a little edge. Yeah. 11. Yeah. 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 Yeah, He wants some edgier, uh, they want some edgier stuff. So all this to say, uh, all I was getting at is I think it's a nice, uh, I don't find it ominous. Like I say, it stirred something different in me. Um, It definitely has a vibe, but all I'm getting at is it's nice that you feel like outro sends the record out on an optimistic no, I think that's nice. Yeah, cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So let's 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 hear that now. This is outro by Bill Nace from his excellent new record through a room, which is available via Drag City Records. Uh, Bill, this was honestly a, a a great pleasure for me and an honor to have you on the show. I really appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, very special thanks again to Bill Nace for appearing on this, the 731st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're searching for it and you don't know where it is, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. All the info you need is there. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter, I guess. Again, as I'm speaking to you, I don't know what's going to happen with the whole operation, but for now, you can follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly uh, on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. I'm currently, as I'm speaking to you, verified on Twitter. I don't even know what this means. They're taking away? They're taking away all the stuff? I don't know what the hell's going on over there. It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, there's that stuff. You can also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation. That uh, revenue sustains this podcast. Now, six American dollars, roughly nine Canadian dollars, I am now realizing, or more a month, grants you access to exclusive content. Uh, some of this includes me dipping into my audio archives and sharing old things uh, from uh, my past that precede this podcast with you. Sometimes I have a little bit of bonus time with a guest. It's not often a huge amount of time. I just we do a little segment or something. Anyway, you get all that sort of stuff uh, at the Patreon. You can also, if you want, if you want a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me and I will get you one while supplies last. Again, please support the show on patreon.com slash creative control. It would be lovely to get your financial donation. It would be lovely if those donations amounted to so much money that I could just do this all the time that's the goal just like everyone anyway you know what i'm saying patreon.com slash creative control thank you speaking of thanks thanks again to the fine alberta record retailer blackbird music which you can learn more about and order things from their website actually at blackbird.ca also to pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee in guelph ontario and granddad's donuts in hamilton ontario for their in-kind support for this show thanks as always to my old friend jim guthrie uh, you can, uh, you know, Jim, he lends me some music uh, that I use on the show, and you can learn more about Jim at his website, jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Bill Nace. I hope you will check out Through a Room, which uh, will be available, if it's not already, it should be available soon via Drag City Records. Please uh, subscribe to or follow this podcast. That helps. Tell your friends about it. Ask them to do those things because it's so good. You like it so much. 
And uh, otherwise, if you can help spread the word about it on whatever social media platform still exists, that would be helpful. Listen, you've been great. You are great. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now.